Welcome to a thrilling new phase of exploration and enlightenment as we launch Season 3 of Voices of Inspiration. Our journey unfolds with the captivating story of Royce Johnson, a dedicated park manager whose narrative embodies resilience and unwavering commitment, both along life's pathways and among the wonders of nature. In this travel-infused podcast that pays tribute to the strength of the human spirit, Royce's story radiates with brilliance. From his role in overseeing Georgia's breathtaking state parks to gracefully embracing the challenges of fatherhood, Royce's life weaves a captivating tapestry of dedication and devotion. Join us as we venture into the depths of his experiences, revealing a narrative interwoven with determination and insight. Through Royce's journey, you'll rediscover the profound beauty of navigating life's adventures. So as we journey through season three, guided by Royce's remarkable narrative, let his story be the compass steering us through a season adorned with inspiring tales of triumph, exploration, and an unbreakable spirit, both along the trails of life and in the heart of nature. Everyone has a story to tell. We connect and relate to one another when we share our stories. My name is Amelia Old, and I am your host of Voices of Inspiration. Join me as I share stories of friends, family, and strangers from my everyday life and travels. You will laugh, possibly cry, or walk away feeling connected more than ever to those around you and ready to be the change our world needs. Everyone has a story to tell. What's yours? really appreciate you taking time out of your day for this. Oh, no problem. I'm, I look forward to it and I appreciate you thinking of me and giving me this opportunity. So, so can you share with us initially, what initially drew you into a career in outdoor leadership and education? Sure. So uh, my dad's from Northern Minnesota. So I grew up like going out to the wilderness, hunting, fishing, being outdoors, camping. Uh, we used to go, like 50 miles from the Canadian border and we would take a canoe and portage it on our backs and two miles and come out to this pristine lake with no houses and no people and spend the whole day paddling and fishing. And so um, I always had appreciation and love for the outdoors because I grew up doing that. And it was funny because as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, I didn't know there was a whole lot of careers for outdoors, right? Because it's, you know, it's a fairly newer field within the last 20 to 30 years where people are making full life careers out of them. And and so as I started doing research, I started finding schools that offered uh, not just um, associate's degrees, but uh, bachelor's degrees in that type of uh, field. And I've always worked with kids or um, people. And so that's where the kind of the, leadership and uh, teaching kind of aspect came from. And throughout my career, it's, you know, whether it was working with uh, youth at summer camps or youth at small group in church, or um, I was also a lead wilderness instructor for troubled boys for almost five years, taking them out in wilderness settings. So I just kind of fell in love with that. And, um, realize you can get a degree and pursue it as a lifetime goal. And so that's kind of what I've done with my career and kind of made it my passion, my goal to, to stay with that. So it's really cool when you can make a career out of like the thing that you love the most as far as hobbies and things. I think that that's really important finding the things that you really enjoy and really love and being able to make a, a life and a living out of that. Yep. So how was your experience as a park manager? Because you worked at several state parks in, in Georgia and in South Carolina. Um, how was your experience as a park manager in various state parks shaped your understanding of the importance of outdoor spaces for communities and individuals? Uh, it's, a, it's a huge importance. I mean, I started out my career with uh, as a city park ranger in the media, middle of Columbia, South Carolina. Um, and so just we offered several different parks where people were walking, biking, uh, recreating. I did nature talks. We had a fish ladder for, um, you know, American shad species to help preserve them and their spawning. Uh, so 
being able to teach that and educate that kind of stuff to people, but also providing a place to recreate is important. Uh, and then my journey led me to Sweetwater Creek, 15 miles from the downtown Atlanta area. And so see over 800,000 people come and we had over 1500 acres and over 15 miles of hiking trail. And so um, the hiking and getting people outdoors was really important. We also had a historic mill there. And so teaching people history as well is, is great. Um, and then conservation as well, you know, wildlife opportunities to teach people, especially people in urban settings don't fully understand uh, the different wildlife they may encounter. So that, that was a neat opportunity. And then here where I'm at now at Jack Hill, it's, it's mostly recreational. So we are like the heart of Reedsville. And so we have a splash pad and we have a basketball court and we have 18 hole golf course and uh, playgrounds. And so, you know, providing an opportunity for the locals to come and be able to use every day and, and just come through. Uh, we got kids and adults and all kinds of people that come and use it. And what was crazy is, you know, we just went through a pandemic and Georgia State Parks never closed. And so we saw all these people come out and try camping for the first time and you know because everybody was locked down and they want to get out of the house mm -hmm. but still do it safely and so you know georgia state parks provided that that refuge for those those folks and we had clean bathrooms and you know we were we were doing everything we had certain protocols that we had to follow so mm -hmm. the amount of new camping and the new guests that have found georgia state parks through all that has been amazing so you know having that that opportunity and being a part of that and meeting people from all over, not just Georgia. We're having people come from Florida, North Carolina, Tennessee, because all the other states were closed down. So having all these people come in and, and you get to meet these people, it was pretty awesome to see that. And now they're returning to the parks. You know, they discovered us, they discovered other Georgia State Parks, and now they're exploring other parks. So that's um, awesome. pretty awesome to provide that opportunity for people to, to enjoy. So. For for the listeners, um, can you actually explain where Jack Hill State Park is? Um, so what may be the, a, a larger city nearby that they might be familiar with? Sure. So we're about 45 minutes from Statesboro, which is where Georgia Southern is. And then we are about an hour and 15 from Savannah. So um, we get people from Florida, Savannah area, but a lot of people that are traveling through on their way to Florida find us and can't. We do have you know, 29 campsites. We do have 10 cottages. So people do use us. Uh, we're also big for weddings. We do a lot of family reunions, a lot of birthday parties, a lot of business meetings. So it's pretty awesome that we provide all kinds of these different opportunities, golf outings for different groups uh, with the golf course uh, is pretty unique as well. So there's just a lot of opportunities, even though we're in a smaller town uh, in Tattanoe County, uh, we still get used by a variety of people. That's awesome. Now, um, I, I want you to talk a little bit about your um, family life. I know that you've been presented with um, sets of challenges during the pandemic with um, working in the park systems and, um, but that's not your, your only thing. You have a family, you're a dad. And um, can you talk a little bit about um, those, those challenges on both ends. Sure. So, you know, park life can be <laughs> challenging at any given time because we're on call, we live on site. Um, and then you, you, you still have to balance that family life. And so I have two boys, uh, Hunter and Fisher, um, who, you know, I provide this opera awesome opportunity for my children to grow up in a state park. Um, they get their, they get to enjoy the same amenities. They get to, um, kind of grow up in nature and learn some of the things that I've learned through the, through the years. And I get to teach them, they get to go on programs and that kind of stuff. Um, so that's a neat opportunity, but not only that, but I'm also a dad of two special needs kids, which is a whole nother challenge. Um, for those out there that have special needs kids, they know that it takes a lot more time. It takes a lot of schedules. There's a lot of therapy, doctor visits, things that I have to do outside of work. And I have to find that balance between getting what I need to get done at the park and what I need to get done at that family life. And working for the state has been great because I've been able to, to do that. Um, you know, they're good about having time off and, you know, changing schedules around to kind of meet the needs that I have. 
as well as still be able to do what I need to do on, on the park side. Um, so it's, it's not always easy because every day is different, but, um, but it, it gives me inspiration because I'm providing not only an awesome place for my children to live, but it's my motivation every day to do a good job because I'm providing for those, those kids and, and giving them an, a better life, um, you know, to be raised in the park. And, um, so it's my motivation to do well and, and, and help the par- park succeed, um, just so that they can succeed as well in life. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges that, um, that you faced with your children and, and what they have gone through and what your family has gone through? Sure. So, um, my first son Fisher was born while we were actually in Columbia, South Carolina. And we, I had applied for Georgia state parks, um, cause I went to school in Georgia and wanted to get back into Georgia. And we thought we had more time, but that didn't work out the way we thought it was going to work out, which happens in life all the time. Um, and so, uh, my wife gave birth to Fisher six weeks premature while we were in Columbia, uh, she gave birth on a Monday, and then on Wednesday, we left the hospital. She was a huge trooper and was able to get out. And I drove from Columbia to South Carolina, uh, Columbia, South Carolina to Georgia, uh, Atlanta area for the Sweetwater job. And uh, that was like a three and a half hour drive. And I had to be there at 8 a.m. for the interview. So wow. did the interview, went straight back to the hospital because my son spent two months in the NICU. Uh, he was born premature so his esophagus wasn't attached and then he had a blockage in his nose so he had several surgeries and different things go on while we were there Um, i got the job and i spent the first month in sweetwater uh, without my wife and kids she was commuting back and forth with her parents that live in augusta and i spent the month up there in atlanta um, just learning a new job new career and it was all to I knew it was a, just a better opportunity for me for growth and career path. So despite those challenges, I knew it was important and uh, the goal, career goal that I wanted to, to do. And, and my wife was very supportive of that. And we worked through those challenges and uh, fast forward. Now he's seven and still has dilations. Just got recently diagnosed with autism. So we're facing some of those challenges and, um, and then my second son, he was born uh, in uh, 2018, and so he was diagnosed with a very rare brain defect called semi-lobar proholoencephaly, and it's a mouthful, and it's um, just a rare rare brain disease where the back of the brain is infused, and he's got a lot of things going on there where he's he's five, he, he can't walk, he can't talk, he's doing a lot of therapy and that kind of stuff, um, but... <laughs> The laugh that he has and the smile that he has, I wouldn't trade that for the world. So, um, you know, just the challenges that I face with him, you know, having to do therapies and, you know, facing a kid who has a G-tube and, you know, we have to feed him through that. And I know there's a lot of people that have gone gone through those challenges and I've met other awesome people um, that's gone through that same stuff. And it's encouraging when you get to meet other people because, you know, you get in your own world and you, you know how it is because you're in that routine, and but not everybody else understands that unless you've gone through that. And then you can make that connection. People understand some of the same things that, you know, you may face on a, on a, any given day. So where do you find um, your inspiration through all of these challenges? Where do you find your inspiration and your motivation? Clearly it's your children. Sure. Um, definitely my children. And, and, you know, my, my wife and I were very much a team and I take that same team mentality when I go into, you know, the park, you know, you're, you're only as good as your team and the team that you motivate and that you help. And so, you know, we help pick up each other's pieces, you know, the strengths and weaknesses that we have, you know, when I get home, as soon as I get home, I know my my wife's been with the kids all day. So I'm like, don't even have time to have time to me. It's like, oh, what can I help you with? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, what can I do? Can I get his medicine going? Do I need to get him off the, the G-tube? Do I need to get him dressed and ready for bed? You know, I pick up the pieces of where we're at. And um, same thing in the park. I have that same mentality of, of, you know, how can I help you guys? You know, what we are very team oriented here at Jack Hill because we have to be. Uh, we, we run on limited staff, so we, we rely heavily on each other. 
Um, so I take those same experiences that I that I do every day, and I, I use those to motivate my team and help my team. And I understand when people have family issues or drama or things that come up because we all have lives outside of work. So um, I'm pretty understanding and, and sensitive to those type of things. So all those things, I think, help me in my career as a manager, um, but also help me in my life. My life. So um, those kids, you know, when I see them smile and I, I see them happy and like that's my motivation. And, you know, Hunter, my little one, he loves to be tickled. So I make mm-hmm. sure that every day I spend time as the tickle monster, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing that. And Fisher loves to pretend. And so, you know, a lot of times I'm Bowser and he's Mario and he's mm-hmm. beating me up. And, you know, we're playing that that role play and that that kind of just helps me. And I go home for lunch and that's my reset. You know, no matter how my day is going, I take that hour lunch break mm-hmm. if I can. And I go home and no matter how my day has gone, you know, I spend a, a little bit of time with the wife and kids and eat my lunch. And and then that's that reset button. So I go back and I've kind of got that refocus and re-motivation to tackle whatever challenges come for the rest of the day. So I think that's a really important um, tip uh, because so many people don't take that lunch break. They don't take that hour to step away and reset. So I think that that is a really important thing. Um, and I'm glad to hear you say that you do that. Do you have any other tips for uh, parents who may be in similar situations as you are of, of balancing career and home life? Sure. I mean, that's, it's not easy. And I'm fortunate that my wife is able to stay home full time, but that's not always the case for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, the it's taking things a day at a time and knowing that every day is different. So um, just keep working at it. Um, you know, especially with kids with special needs, there is no fix it all. You know, my son one day will be happy with something the next day nothing will be happy right Mm -hmm. but i know that it's just temporary that you know the the next day we just push through um navigate through it and and then you know move on to the next day and the next day's different so you know take the take the good days and 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 really enjoy those and when you have those tougher days take what you've learned from that and grow from that um but don't get discouraged from that because um you know you got to look at the big picture the end goal you know Things aren't don't happen right away. Um, things just take time to build and grow. And so, um, being that consistency and 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 uh, is important, especially with kids with special needs. Um, schedules are, are are vastly important. You know, when you start changing stuff up all the time, you know, it's sensory overload and things like that with kids with special needs. So, trying to find as much consistency as you can in the home and. And, you know, balancing work and all those things uh, is important, not only at your work life, but also at your home life. So, uh, you know, taking those tips, I think, is the greatest things that has kind of helped me through my career is is finding that balance. And and, um, you know, also when you need to take time, don't be afraid to ask for it, too. You know, sometimes you just need to get away. You know, for us, it was a family vacation to Universal uh, this week this Christmas. And, uh, it was awesome. You know, both kids got their own experiences and really got to enjoy that. And so, you know, make sure you're taking those opportunities to get away. Cause you know, you need to, you need your time too. You need to refresh. You need to do that. So sometimes people feel so overwhelmed that they have to do everything, but it's also important to, uh, you know, to have time for you to recuperate and, and for your own growth. So goosebumps because, what you're saying is so important because so many of us, myself included, don't do those things, right? right. Like you just keep adding on to the plate and we don't step away and we don't reset and we don't take time for ourselves because, you know, if we're not good for ourselves, we certainly can't be good for our families. Exactly. Exactly. So with that said, in your experience, how do parks and recreational areas contribute to the overall well-being and mental health of individuals in the community or visitors? Uh, I think it's vastly important, you know, getting outdoors. We saw that through the pandemic, you know, the lockdowns and, uh, you know, a lot of that damage that happened through that, just people not having that social interaction with other people. Um, And, you know, so getting outside uh, not only is healthy, right, because you can recreate, you know, um, 
but it gives you an opportunity to socialize, you know, splash pad or campground. I can't tell you how many guests get away with groups of families, you know, three or four families will come up, load up the RVs and come out and the kids are out playing. The parents are out hanging out, doing their thing at the campsite around the campfire. It becomes that social event for everybody. Um, and then, you know, just the learning as you grow, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 37 now and I've, I've learned that I have a great love for history, which I didn't have when I was younger. Right. Mm -hmm. And all these things that I took for granted, like that I, you know, when I was in school and different things. And now I'm like trying to soak it up like a sponge. And, and so, um, you know, things that you may be knowledge, you may be learning now may not be that relevant or important to you now, but later on, you're going to be like, oh, I'm so glad I learned that because you may use it or, you know, it's just fun tidbit information for a conversation later that people didn't know. Um, there's just a lot of things like that that is also beneficial, um, which I think is great as well. Um, but, you know, having that time just to get out and have fun, whether it be, you know, getting on a paddle boat and, and paddling on the lake or fishing. or I mean, we have so much stuff for a variety of different people and we see a variety of different backgrounds. So um, that's what I love. And every Georgia state park is different. We all offer something different. There's a lot of historic sites that are strictly historical. There's a lot of places that have tons of hiking trails, bike trails. Um, there's places that do a lot of programming for kids and people to get involved like archery and crafts and paddling and stuff. So people that are trying to learn new skills that, you know, they may not be comfortable or don't know how to get involved with, well, Hey, they can go with a ranger and, and feel more comfortable doing it, you know, instead of, you know, paying some private and feeling a little bit more uncomfortable, you know, they're able to do it in that setting. So we, we offer a wide variety of different things for people to plug into, which is what I think is uh, awesome and unique about it. And I love visiting the Georgia state parks and just state parks in other states as well, because mm -hmm. everyone's a little bit different. So um, it's, you know, they offer different, different things for different people. So, and it's cool when we get people saying, Oh, which one's your favorite? And they're talking about all the places they've been to because they're connecting to these different places and making memories in these different places that they take with them. So it's funny that you say that about history because, um, I'm a little bit older than you, but I also have gotten into his, I always like as a kid loved history and stuff, but I think that it's, almost like next level right now at my age. My kids laugh at me because I'm definitely the parent that reads every little plaque of everything of anywhere that we go and, and then um, provide that information to them, whether they want to hear it or not. <laughs> you know, at that age, they don't, you know, I, I remember being that age and not really caring about it, but now, right. you know, I look back and I, I, I see the importance of that. And mm -hmm. I try to teach my kids that importance, even though it, they may, it may just go over their head, but maybe one day, you know, it will connect with them because history is important. You know, where we come from, we got to learn from those mistakes that we made. You know, we didn't always get it right, but uh, you know, learn from that, grow from that, you know, that's how we um, become better people. So, um, yeah, definitely. I'm, my daughter's like, Oh goodness, here comes the poor guide again. <laughs> Anywhere that we go, I mean, even when we moved to our current home, like I researched the area and the history of it and, you know, and um, my daughter's like, you could definitely play, you know, trivia with us about the, the history part. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, you mentioned your son Fisher's diagnosis of autism. How has that journey influenced your perspective on inclusion and accessibility in the parks? So... That's a good question. That's as both my kids, you know, as the challenges that we faced, um, that's something that's on the forefront of my mind and something I'm appreciative of Georgia State Parks, that there is a big initiative to become more ADA accessible within all of Georgia State Parks. Several years ago, they did a survey of all these things that we are not in compliance with ADA. And so we've been working on a uh, extensive plan uh different phases to make sure that we're being more inclusive with ADA accessibility. We have 
three cottages that are ADA accessible that are specifically built for that. We've got a brand new mini golf course that was built with completely ADA accessibility, which is awesome. Wheelchair can fit through the whole thing, um, which, you know, was not capable on the one that we had previous. So um, the state of Georgia and Georgia State Parks is, is doing a phenomenal job of trying to include more of that type of stuff. And we can still increase on that. We've we've got um, several parks have gotten mobile wheelchairs that are like all-terrain wheelchairs that can go on trails and that kind of stuff to give people opportunities. Um, we've built ADA kayak launches and boat ramps and fishing piers and just giving people that didn't have an opportunity before an opportunity to still share in the same recreation opportunities that other folks have and so uh, we continue to push and strive uh, to make that better in the state park and so I'm always mindful of how can we do that whether it be playgrounds or different areas um, that we can try and improve on that picnic shelters different things like that so we have different projects that are in the works that are being developed that haven't been completed yet like a new ADA uh, boat boat launch that will be completed in the next year or so here at Jack Hill and an ADA fishing pier uh, to provide those opportunities. So awesome. we have a lot of say of that as far as what we envision in, mm-hmm. in the parks. And, you know, a lot of that's funding and different things, but we have goals and opportunities. And so that's definitely always on the forefront of my mind because my kids use the park every day. and right. I can see some of those challenges that you know, they may face, or I go to other places, other parks and see what they have and, and kind of learn, mm-hmm. learn what they have and, and see how we can incorporate that same type of stuff here as well. Can you share like a specific moment or interaction with a park visitor that deeply impacted you and reminded you of the importance of your role? <laughs> I, I get that pretty regularly. So it's hard to pick out just like one um, but I can think of something <laughs> recently that actually happened this past week. It, it's funny because we wear a lot of hats and we have to do all kinds of stuff. So, you know, I, as a park manager, if I got to clean toilets, I got to clean toilets. If I got a, you know, AC breakdown, I got, I got to do that. So we were kind of short staffed after the holiday. And uh, I had one guest that came in and he saw me and we kind of had a little conversation when we checked in when he checked into his campsite um, and then he went to the golf course maybe an hour later and I was there giving the lunch break to the, the lady up there. And he's like, man, you're everywhere. And I was like, I'll see you later. I promise I'll see you later. And about another hour later, I was down at the splash pad getting the chemicals balance and he's out there on the splash pad. And he's like, you're, you're the jack of all trades, aren't you? you know, good at everything, master of nothing. I said, that's exactly what, what I am. When you see that friendly face, you know, it, it kind of gives you that peace of mind. You know, things are getting done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have interaction. And so it always makes me feel good that, you know, not only because a lot of the times what we do is behind the scenes, we do a lot of paying the bills, a lot of other things. So people don't always see, you know, what I'm doing on a day to day, but there's other days like that where they fairly clearly see what I, I do, but they can see that I care about the job because I'm out there trying to, you know, tackle all these tasks for the park to make the park a better place. And so I know that guests, you know, have that peace of mind and, and can enjoy the park because they know the restrooms are clean and they know the splash pad chemicals are balanced. So they know it's safe for their kids to be on and, you know, I'm providing for my staff, like making sure they get their lunch break and they need that too. And so, um, you know, I'm all over the place. So I, but it's important to, to be all over the place because if you don't know how the different departments work or you're not checking up on those departments, then uh, you may not know that things aren't getting done or, or things are, are being missed. So I think it's important to kind of be everywhere. And I spend time with my staff. I go to different departments every day and just check on them. And a lot of times it's just non-work stuff because, you know, we get bombarded with work all the time. So sometimes it's like, hey, How's your family? You know, what's what you've been doing, reading anything good, watching anything good, just something to get to break that, you know, cycle of the mundane of every day. Um, so, yeah, but that to me, you know, having those anytime I can interact with guests is, is awesome because I spend a lot of time around the desk. But, you know, I, I just love hearing people's stories, where they're coming from, 
you know, how much they love the park, you know, things that they would like to see improved. You know, I, I write everything down. So, you know, I, I try my best if within reason, if we can make, you know, that happen, it's all part of that good customer service and giving the guests that best experience that they, they can get. So have you witnessed any like transformative moments with visitors where you've seen them overcome maybe a personal obstacle or a fear in nature? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's definitely with programs. Um, especially when I was in Sweetwater in Atlanta, I mean, we were getting a lot of people that had no idea what it was like in the outdoor setting at all. And they would be so nervous and so scared and, so unsure and then they come out and they get on a paddle program and they they realize that they can do it right these are skills they didn't even know they had and all of a sudden you see them coming back for things you know they're not just signing up for that program now they're out hiking and they're doing all these other things that and building that confidence is awesome when you see people we i watch a regular um here in our park that started out um just walking and he was a little bit more overweight at the time and mm -hmm. he comes out every day rain shine it doesn't matter the weather he's out every day and he walks he walks a couple miles just to get here then he walks a couple miles to the park and then he works out in our workout equipment and he is buff now he is <laughs> he is jack and that's awesome i wave at him every day <laughs> i see him every day i i, I get happy because it was kind of a funny story that he didn't wave at anybody when he first started and it made my one of my goals was to make him wave to me and for about six months every day I waved nothing back and um I'll never forget when he waved back I got with the other staff and I was like guess who finally waved at me and now he waves at all the staff and so you know it was cool that we had this little connection with this guy you know that mm -hmm. comes in used the parks every day and you know, just through consistency, where something as simple as a wave, you know, from the sky means a lot to us because, right. you know, we're, you know, we're trying to, even if it's just a wave, interact with every guest that comes through. So, you know, even seeing somebody like that get transformed is cool too, even though we're not having that one-on-one -on -one conversation, but, you know, we know he's utilizing the park every day and we do our best to, to wave and make sure he feels welcome when he's coming through. So. How does Jack Hill State Park support sustainable tourism practices practices and engage with the local community to promote environmental awareness? Um, so we have some pretty cool, unique environmental things that happen here. So Jack Hill, even though we're a recreational park, we do have a very rare um, pitcher pant species that's only found in Tattano County. Um, and we have a natural habitat that is... Uh, protected area that we actually have to maintain as a, a park. We do uh, prescribed burns and then we do bush hog mowing and then we do surveys of that area uh, pretty consistently. Several times a year we go and check up on those plants. And so when you have opportunities like that uh, where most people don't know, so we do history or nature hikes to that area to let people know about that uh, that population, but also we're in the process of developing a plan to make a pitcher plant bog, uh, like a homemade one. So those plants were transplanted, seeds from that plant were transplanted to Atlanta Botanical Garden, and they were able to repopulate that plant. Well, they're able to get us several species of those same plants that came from here, and we're going to replant them um, in an area of the park that is accessible to everybody mm -hmm. so that we can use it for educational purposes and, um, and kind of make it kind of a unique area uh, for programming and that kind of stuff. So we, that's something we focus on, but all the state parks have different things like that. We have an active friends, friends group that just got rebooted up, um, which is a volunteer group that partners with us. And so we're looking for this spring to build a pollinator garden to help with bees and uh, hummingbirds and different um, native species, and then use that also as a teaching tool to educate the public about the, the importance of pollinators and some plants that they possibly could grow in their own gardens um, just to help with wildlife. We do different nature talks and the importance of, of wildlife, because you will see a variety of wildlife, even though we're in, you know, we're in 
Reedsville city limits, we have a healthy deer population, turkey population. There's a hawk's nest that's pretty close to my house, and I see all the time. Uh, I see a fox uh, pretty regularly. Um, and then we do other things for recreation purposes, like the pond. We do pond management for spraying, and we build a bunch of fish attractors with the Ogigi Tech Nickel College to try to increase fishing in our pond as well. So we do different things that tie to recreation and some that are just uh, natural habitat restoration um, for educational purposes for the public to understand as well. Have you had any like unique or um, memorable encounters with wildlife? Um, <laughs> I've had several um, throughout my career. I'll never forget one of my last weekends at Sweetwater. Um, there was a, a mallard duck that somebody accidentally caught with a fishing hook. And so they don't train you for this when you go through DNR school, but you know, you just have to have a kind of care and love for, for animals. So uh, me and uh, another staff member went out on our boat and were able to catch it with a net. And I sat there and de-hooked it and um, got the fishing line uh, unwrapped from him. And it was, it was crowded. There was people everywhere. And, I'm sitting here doing it because I feel like it's my duty to help the animal, not thinking about everybody else that's out there in the day use area. So as soon as I get everything done and I let the duck go, like I got a standing ovation from like 50 <laughs> people around the park that were just sitting there clapping. I'm like, I'm just doing my job. You know, I, I, I didn't know that all these other people were watching me in, in that rescue of those animals. But, I, you know, there's definitely been several times there's been hawks that uh, we've captured and took to a rehabilitation place and they were able to relocate. Um, I've done snake removal. I've done all kinds of different things um, within the career that just kind of pop up and not something that you get trained on or the day to day, but when things come up, you know, whether it be a public safety issue or whether it be, you know, for the health of the animal, sometimes we just have to spring into action and try to help those type of species. So, yeah, I've, I've, done, I've done that several times throughout my career. <laughs> that's that's great, though. That's great that you are attentive. And, I mean, you, you mentioned this earlier about not seeing people at parks. And um, I love to go to state parks. And I have certainly been to several over the years where you don't see anyone, you know, or you go to the office and there's no one around and, you know, just to ask a question. So I think that that's great that you are so hands-on. Um, what initiatives or programs does the park offer to engage families in outdoor activities and in, in the education? I know you've touched on some of the things, but are there any others? Sure. So um, one of the big helpful things is the Georgia State Parks website, gastateparks.org, has an events tab on their main page. So you can click on events and you can look um, You can look by park specific, but if you're looking for a specific program like paddling or hiking, you can put up that generic search and then have a mile radius of how far out you want to look in that mile radius. And it'll list all the programs that are upcoming for that specific event. Um, and then you can figure out if you want to go to that park, if it's close enough and that kind of thing, time and that. So we do a wide variety of different programs, um, whether it be, you know, recreation, like paddle programs, hikes, nature, nature type programs. Uh, we have a part-time naturalist. She does a lot of art projects. So we just did a build a bird feeder out of pine cones and peanut butter honey for those who are allergic to peanut butter and bird seed. And it's a natural way um, to feed birds. And you're teaching that we did a build a bee out of toilet paper rolls and, and stuff. So it was a little art project. And then you're teaching kids about pollinators and the importance of that while they're building a craft. We do s'more programs for families so they can get out and just have a s'more and have a camp, you know, hang out around the campfire and interact with different folks each state park has a junior ranger program that a kid can do on their own. Um, and each book is uh, specific to the park so they can earn a badge at every state park. So it encourages them to continue on doing that, um, not only at the one park, but at several parks. So, And then they get sworn in by uh, the manager, assistant manager, or the naturalist. And so, um, you know, it's a big deal for the kids. It's a big deal for the parents um, to instill those uh 
you know, nature and the importance of the outdoors and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then they earn something cool with it. And I can't tell you how many kids we've had that have done 50 something parks that they've gone to all of them and completed really? those programs. So it's a really unique opportunity uh, for that. Uh, we do school programs. So we get connected with local schools. Um, whether they come out and do a program here, or we'll go out to the schools and do programs for them. I've done uh, several different programs in schools. Uh, I've done wilderness um like training, I guess you would say, like how to build a campfire and, you know, how to pitch a tent and those basic type skills, wilderness survival type stuff. And then we've done nature talks. We have um, some parks have live animals like snakes and stuff that we can bring to the schools and teach them about wildlife. Um, we also have a lot of skin, animal skins and skulls where we can do animal ID so people can understand what different animals are. Um, so there's a wide variety. The historical sites do all kinds of historical stuff. They'll do cannon firings and, you know, we have several forts. They'll dress up in period attire and, and take people through that time period and what it was like. Um, so there's a wide variety of different things to try to connect people with. Um, and so we try to run programs every weekend because um, that's typically when most people are available, you know, that's when they're in the campground, that kind of stuff. We, we focus on holidays. We focus on spring breaks, those times when we know families are going to be around to try to get them plugged into those type programs. I am extremely into, um, as I mentioned earlier, history, archaeology, things like that. And I'm in a lot of groups of people who, um, you know, whether they're surface hunting or they're going on a, a property with permission. Can you tell those listeners what they are and are not allowed to do at a Georgia State Park if they see something surface level? Um, I, pers I personally know what to do, but <laughs> can you provide sure. <laughs> listeners of what they should do if they see an artifact on, on surface level? <laughs> I appreciate you bringing this up because a lot of it is just people just don't know. They're right. uneducated on, on what happens. And sometimes we have to be the bad guy and kind of exactly. explain you know, those rules. But so everything in a Georgia State Park is protected. So everything you see, you know, you're not supposed to take a leaf, sticks, anything out. Uh, everything is supposed to be found and kept the way it, it was found in nature. And that's all to protect Georgia, uh, its wildlife, its, its nature, everything. So uh, if you come across an artifact, notify the park manager. You know, we have special archaeologists that do surveys on the area. We actually have geological surveys and um, archaeological surveys at all sensitive sites. And so all those things are mapped out. A lot of our sites have museums. So a lot of that stuff will end up in the museum for educational purposes. Um, unless it, you know, like Native American artifacts are supposed to be left where they're, where they're found because they're considered sacred artifacts. And so we, you know, try to educate folks, but a lot of people don't know, you know, you're not allowed to metal detect in the state park. You're not allowed to magnet fish, which is a big one that we've come across lately of, you know, taking a magnet and throwing out and seeing what you get and taking it out. Even though people see that as trying to get rid of, um, you know, pollution and that type of stuff, but you're also disturbing, um, you know, sediment and things that you don't think about when you're pulling that stuff out. It actually can cause more damage than leaving the stuff in there. So, um, yeah, so we just try to educate the public on that and understand there are other avenues for you guys to go. Like you said, you know, public landowners, if you're trying to metal detect and that kind of thing with permission, obviously I always get permission, those type of places, but state parks and historic sites, that kind of stuff is off limits. And we, we try to protect all of Georgia's um, state resources. And for so. our rock pounders as well to leave, yes. leave, yeah, so we don't. I know there's a big push for painted rocks, and, a, and mm -hmm. um, but it is not the way that nature is intended. It's not natural to the historic sites and to the state parks. So we ask people not to leave the painted rocks in the in the state parks um, because technically, if you're going through a nature center and you see something with paint on it, it's not how you know you would find it in nature. And so I understand that those are memories and and 
And, you know, we get people that do get upset about that, but, you know, you got to look at it as a perspective of, you know, we don't want people leaving stuff behind. We want people to find it in that natural setting that they found it when they came in. And so we want to leave the park in that same, that same uh, condition as well. Thank you for addressing that. Like I said, I'm super involved with, with different groups with archaeology and artifacts and rock calendars so that go and look for different quartz crystals and things like that, you know, so I thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you even brought that up as a plug because it is, it is important for the guests to know because they, you know, yeah, people don't, absolutely. you don't know yeah. what you don't know, right? Exactly. So. Um, being a park manager, you have explored, I'm sure, a lot of outdoor spots in your area. Can you suggest a, a couple of hiking trails or scenic spots in that area that capture the beauty of the region? So we are almost kind of limited to where we're at. You know, we have a, a one mile hiking trail, but it is not a loop trail. You just mm-hmm. go in a half mile and you come back out in the half mile. Uh, most of what we have is farm area around mm-hmm. us, but there mm-hmm. are other Georgia State parks within 45 minutes of us that have um, trails. George L. Smith is one that has, not only do they have hiking trail, but they also have a kayak paddling trail. They have an old um, cypress swamp and they have their trees marked because everything can look a lot alike when there's nothing but cypress trees. So they have the trees marked where you can actually do kind of a paddle tour where you're doing it on your own as well. Uh, we have Magnolia um, Springs State Park, which is also within about an hour of us. They have an old spring um, there, and they've got several hiking trails as well. So I definitely would push that. And of course, Savannah has several state parks and historic sites um, that have several hiking trails as well. Skidaway Island being one of the big ones. Wormslow Historic Site is pretty close there as well and then you've got a bunch of other historic sites that are along there so most of what you're going to see as far as hiking is going to be in the georgia state parks around my area now when you get up to north georgia and some of those you're going to have a lot more waterfalls and different hiking trails but state parks provide a a wide variety of of different hiking trails biking trails different things like that for for guests to use and most of them are usually pretty scenic and have you know different things that you can see along the way what are your plans or goals that you can share um, that you have for the future development and enhancement of Jack Hill State Park? So we're always trying to figure out how we can expand and grow. Um, you know, we are only 600, uh, just over 600 acres. So we're not a very big park as far as land. And most of that takes um, is taken up by our you know 18 hole golf course. Uh, is a wide variety. So we just got done with our mini golf course. We got 18 hole regular golf and we also have 18 hole foot golf, which you play with the soccer ball, which we're the only Georgia state park that has a foot golf course on it. And so one of my goals is to incorporate disc golf. um, And then we would have four different varieties of golf uh, for people to recreate and, I'm thinking about trying to do some type of incentive if you're able to come out and do all four, giving some type of prize away for those guests who are able to complete all four because there's not uh, a lot of places that have all those opportunities. They may have mini golf, they may have regular golf, but they don't have um, foot golf. And one of the other things we're trying to get is disc golf because we do have uh, a big push for a lot of people that play disc golf. Uh, I know there's a big push in your area yes. of disc golf. Um, so there's courses. And when I was in Columbia, there were several of our parks that had courses and we had people that were out every day playing, playing disc golf. So that's one of the goals. Um, obviously I've kind of talked about the pitcher plant bog and that's one of the ones we're, we're pushing through to provide that opportunity for folks. Um, there is long-term five-year, 10-year plan to try to expand where we can build more cottages and campsites as we are busy almost every weekend. Uh, We're pretty much at full capacity for campsites and cottages most weekends. So, uh, and we're turning people away. So just providing more opportunities for people to to come and and stay is important. Um, And so 
providing that opportunity would be awesome. So there's ideas of how we can do that, whether it be expansion on the golf course or restructuring the way we have stuff built on on the park. Um, And then there's definite projects in the work for just renovations of our exterior of our group shelter, um, which is a a building that gets rented for birthday parties. It's an 80-person capacity building that gets rented a lot for business meetings, for birthday parties, family reunions. Um, And so um, just the upkeep of those buildings. um, I would like to see upgraded playgrounds in the next few years, just more ADA accessibility and just um, just upgraded to, to just be a little bit more modern. So the great thing is we've been pushing for a lot of upgrades throughout the state park. Um, because COVID um, pushed a lot of people to the park, revenue was up. And so with revenue, the current management has done a great job of investing that um, money back into the parks. And there's cottages being rebuilt all over the state. There's new restrooms that are being upgraded all over the state, new buildings. So there's a big push to continue in, into investing into the parks and providing uh guess the best opportunities when they're here to make sure that the amenities and everything are are up to standard and and newer and um, kept up nicely so so I ask every guest this do you have any words of wisdom or favorite quote that you would like to leave with our listeners uh, there's so many so many good things that I could, could say but I you know for me, I, I guess if I had words of inspiration for people, whether they're in my situation or just going through whatever is, you know, make sure you're taking that time to take a step back and, and taking time for yourself. But also when you face those challenges and things can be overwhelming, you know, take things a step at a time. Don't always look at the big picture, but focus on what you can do, not what you can't do. And so, you know, if you if able, able to just tackle this little thing here, and then the next day you're able to tackle this, it's going to get that momentum and build. But if you just become overwhelmed and don't, you know, you try to do all these things and then you don't get any of it done, you're not, you're not making that progress. But if you're, you can do that one step here and then that next step and that next step, then before you know it, whatever you're working on is going to be accomplished. So just, you know, slow down and take things a step at a time and, and you'll be able to, to eventually meet those goals that, you know, you may have for yourself. I love that. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story. I know your schedule is super busy, so I'm grateful that you took time to chat with me today. And I really appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to not only share my story, but, you know, share my love for Georgia State Parks and what we do. And, you know, know, I'm here at Jack Hill. So if you ever want to come visit, you'll see me quite often. I live in the park. So come say hey. 